Coming up on Stew Does America, I miss going to the movies. And I'll be damned if I'm not going to see Bob Odenkirk kick a bunch of dudes' asses in a theater. It's just going to happen. I'll speak with the Bulwark's Sunny Bunch about the film business and when we can finally get back into theaters. And Missouri Senator Josh Hawley has agreed to support a $15 minimum wage. But before you go sending him hate mail, there's a few caveats. You're still going to wind up sending him hate mail, though. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you had as much fun as I did. It was a joy to spend time with you. And I mean that sincerely. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube and podcast to help us grow the show and spread the good word. Do your part by liking our videos. Comment on them. We'll do our part by doing this stupid show for you every day. Find out where to watch it and listen as well at stewdoesamerica.com. And today is the last day you can sign up for Blaze TV with a huge discount. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks. Why have you waited this long? This is your last day. BlazeTV.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 30 bucks off today only. Don't miss out. Uh, so every liberal in the country is hyped up about the COVID relief within Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan bill. Ugh. Tomorrow, every liberal in the country will be disappointed when they find out how little COVID relief is within Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan bill. Or will they? We'll ask ourselves, who could have seen this coming as we do the COVID bill blowout? Stu does America. So, are you as excited about the COVID bill thingy as I am? I know. I know I am. It's the COVID bill blowout sale. Yes, all of your favorite programs are out the door this week only. I kind of broke this bill up into five different parts. And they kind of go like this. Number one, they're sort of group one, which is, sure, should be in a COVID bill. Yeah. Then group two, which is like, Okay, I mean, all right, okay. Then group three, of course, which is, I mean, that's a reach. It's, uh, really? Then there's group four, which is, seriously? I mean, come on. And then group five, you're not even trying anymore. Those are the five groups of COVID policies proposed here. Before we get to all the fancy, I've got a bunch of uh, quotes from op-eds and such that I want to pull out to describe these policies. But let me just give you a couple things I consider to be in group one. Okay, we have one hundred and sixty billion dollars in a national vaccination program and related health policies to stem the pandemic. That's about seventy five billion dollars for vaccination specifically. There's stuff like nineteen billion dollars for public health. Now, what the hell are they going to do with that? Probably like abort children in Mexico. But I will say at least it says the word health in it. So we're going to include that in, in, in group uh, number one. You have $6 billion going to the Indian Health Service, $4 billion for mental health. Obviously, mental health has been a, a big issue here as we've gone through uh, the, uh, the pandemic for a lot of people. So I, I can understand those things, right? Like uh, we've had a lot, of, a lot of bills already, a lot of trillions of dollars spent. You kind of think maybe we could have hit that stuff earlier. But if you're going to spend $1.9 trillion, certainly it would make sense to have these types of things in this bill. Okay, that's group one. That's sure. Yeah, that should be in the COVID bill. Group two. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I, yes, yes. I, okay, okay. I can see this being in the COVID bill. It's where you're starting to, to, to spend some money on not necessarily COVID health-related items, but COVID economy-related items. They've got $7.2 billion for the Paycheck uh, Protection Program, 
We've put a lot of money into this program uh, already, but okay. Um, we have $15 billion for economic dis- uh, injury disaster loans, $26 billion for restaurant, bars, and live venues. Like, absolutely, this should be, I can totally see this. Um, you have then the checks going out to the individual people. $1,400 per person is the check, depending on your income level. Also, uh, $400 a week if you lost your job, if you're unemployed. All right, yeah, okay, sure, okay. Group two, okay. That's a very small part of the bill, though. All the rest of this stuff is in the other groups. Let's start with group three. This one I, I like to call, it's a reach. That's a reach. For example, elementary and secondary schools get $129 billion, whether they reopen for classroom learning or not. Higher education gets $40 billion. CBO notes that since Congress has already provided some $113 billion for schools, and as most of these funds remain to be spent, it expects 95% of this new money will be spent from 2022 to 2028. Now, look, we all believe schools should be open. I think conservatives should step back for a second and think about someone like, every time you see one of these schools, you're like, they're teaching crazy they're teaching my my son to be a daughter and you see these stories and we're like i can't believe they would do this by the way hold on one second uh, open the schools maybe we should hope they stay closed frankly maybe we should hope they stay closed and maybe we should find a whole different way of doing this we've been talking about school choice for a while maybe this should have been the thing we were pushing for this entire year i've i've said it a hundred times on the show i feel like it's going to be one of the biggest missed opportunities uh, of of the past year we were dealt some really crappy cards and could have turned this into maybe educating our kids the right way instead we've been whining about schools not being open which is legitimate it's a it's a good point it's a b plus point that's what it is Open up the schools is a B freaking plus point. An A plus point is get your kids out of these crappy schools, if at all possible. And I think conservatives should have been doing, um, and and we've talked about this as well, uh, we should have been doing more to help people who can't afford a private school get into it. This is the time everybody wanted to go to a private school. Everybody wanted to have homeschooling. Everybody wanted to have pods. And I don't mean uh, distance learning. I mean, like, uh, when I say homeschooling, I mean, like, legit homeschooling, getting them out of these schools. Because in a lot of places in the country, they weren't even happening. So I think that's going to be a missed opportunity. But this is not. You're, You're spending the money from 2022 through 2028? That's got little to do with covid Right. I mean, this is just a big giveaway, but at least it's kind of tied to something. Maybe some of the money will go to something that makes sense. So we'll put that in the uh, group three, uh, which is that's a reach. Also in group three, um, $350 billion for state and local governments in cities and counties, even as state revenues have largely recovered since the spring. Democrats also changed the funding formula to ensure most of the dollars go to blue states that impose strict uh, economic lockdowns. I could push this down to group four, group five. The only reason I do is because there was some uh, tax revenue lost earlier because of the economic downturn. And some of these states are a little bit upside down. The problem is, first of all, you're basing this on unemployment. You're incentivizing these states to not open up, uh, which is a bad idea. Uh, And secondarily, you know, this is, again, sort of a slush fund, just like the school stuff. It's sort of a slush fund. But you can kind of understand how it's at least tied to this issue. And that's the sort of standard we're talking at at group three when we say, eh, that's a reach. Group four is like, seriously? Come on. You can't possibly tell me you're putting this in the COVID bill. 
$35 billion to pump up subsidies to defray Obamacare premiums. The bill eliminates the existing income gap, 400% of the poverty level, on who qualifies for subsidies and lowers the maximum amount of participants and uh, expected to tr- contribute from 8.5% of their income down from 10%. Blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is they're trying to pump up Obamacare here. And look, it's health related. So I didn't put it in group five. But again, this is just part of what seems like a Democratic effort to get red states to change their laws. There's more here. $15 billion to provide a temporary five percentage point increase in the federal Medicaid match to states that expand eligibility to lower income adults. This is bait for the dozen or so states that have resisted Obamacare's Medicaid expansion, which, by the way, the reason they, ha- they were able to, uh, to push back against that is because, you know, it was ruled unconstitutional and all. Uh, this enrolls working age, uh, childless adults above the poverty line. Political goal overall is to chip away at the private coverage on the way to Medicare for all. Well, yes, we all know that. Now, of course, my, by far my largest stack here, and I could have had a much bigger stack than this, but we have... Uh, limited time here on Studios America. The Blaze has other shows. They've got to air. So I can only take so much time walking you through Group 5, which of course is, you're not even trying anymore. Group 5. $86 billion to rescue 185 or so multi-employer pension plans insured by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Managed jointly by employer sponsors and unions, these plans are uh, chronically underfunded due to lax federal standards and accounting rules, yet the bailout comes with no real reform. So this is just a union bailout. You're just bailing out union members here. This is a giveaway to the people who raised money to, uh, for Democrats and got votes for Democrats. That's, that's all that is. Nothing to do with COVID. Nothing at all. How about this? Let's go into uh, child care. $39 billion for child care. 30 billion no, child care. You might say, well, OK, well, if we're opening up the economy, the child care organizations, they, they haven't been able to. You know, people haven't been going there as much. There's a little bit there, but this is a larger group. We have 30 billion dollars for public transit agencies, 19 billion dollars in rental assistance. A little bit there you could take out of this category. 10 billion in mortgage help, 4.5 billion for the low income uh, energy assistance program which is an odd thing to even have, considering the fact that uh, they want green energy, which costs much, much more. $3.5 billion for food stamps, $1 billion for Head Start, $1.5 billion for Amtrak. I I don't... $50 billion for uh, for FEMA, $4 billion to pay off loans of socially disadvantaged farmers and and ranchers. What what is a a socially disadvantaged farmer? I don't, I don't know. And nearly $1 billion in world food assistance. I, I got to say that maybe we shouldn't be spending a billion dollars on anything that's not in the United States right now. I, like, I don't know if you've noticed this. We've been spending trillions and trillions of dollars on so many different things. And then we get into the real crazy town here. I mean, we are totally in, you're not even trying uh, zone now. Uh, $15 minimum wage. Uh, 1.4 million jobs, of course, would be the cost for that. Bill increases the child tax credit from three, uh, to 3,000 from 2,000. Temporarily expands the EITC to uh, certain ch- additional childish, uh, child, childish adults and childless adults. That's $25 billion. Eliminates the cap on rebates, drug makers, blah, 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 blah. The point here is like, first of all, the minimum wage thing is not going to happen. I've been telling you this for a little while. Uh, the, the parliamentarian is not going to let you can't You can't pass a minimum wage hike with 50 votes. That's not the way it's not the way the government works. I, I do believe Joe Biden, who is in the Senate for 147 years, knows 
that this does not work. I think, you know, you put one of these things in here. It's a reach. Maybe you get lucky. Uh, bottom line is you probably know it's not going through. Maybe you can negotiate later. Maybe you'll get someone like, I don't know, Josh Hawley to negotiate for you. And you'll get to that $15 uh, minimum wage in a different way. That may very, very well be the win here. Uh, but you can't just throw it through with 50 votes. That's not a thing that goes on in the government. And I got to believe they knew this. $500 million, as the CBO put, uh, puts it, to, uh, for grants to fund activities related to the arts, humanities, libraries, museums, and Native American language preservation. People don't realize this. One of the big side effects of uh, COVID is killing Native American language. Uh, you know, I don't know why Fauci doesn't talk about this more. Maybe uh, it took, you know, COVID killed the part of his language that would talk about Native American language uh, dying. But it's a huge problem uh, for us. The, art, the National uh, Endowment for the Arts and other related programs that support art, um, let me, uh, how should I put this? It shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be a thing. The government should not be doing things that, here's the thing. The government shouldn't pay for things that people want to do. That's the rule. Can we put this in the stew, the Constitution? Uh, the government shouldn't pay for things that people want to do. That's just not the way it should work. When pe people like art, they like music, they like sports. Government dollars shouldn't be going to any of them. And yes, I mean you, college football. None of it. I don't want any, government dollars should not play for fun games. They should be playing for video game tournaments. They should be playing for uh, some some dolt uh, to paint in their home. Uh, you know, look, it's just not the type of thing the government should be involved in. Do you like it? Do you like art? Do you like music? Do you like uh, sports? You know what you should do? Give your money to it. Why should I, as a person who doesn't want to see some dumb modern art uh, exhibit, have to pay for that? And why should some idiot who doesn't like sports but does like modern art, not talking about you, Glenn, I promise, I know. Uh, for, anyway, why should Glenn be paying for a stadium? He shouldn't. You should pay for the things that you use. The government should be there for very limited things, like, you know, the military. And you know what people don't like doing? Getting shot. So that's the type of thing where maybe we should be putting uh, some money behind it and making sure our troops actually have a future uh, financially, are able to pay their bills, are able to get the education that they want or need, whatever it is. Uh, bottom line is paying for someone's dumb painting is ridiculous. It's, it doesn't make any sense. So zero dollars should go to it overall and certainly shouldn't be in the COVID uh, bill, though, of course, we should pay to cure the Native American language death that we're happening right now. And this one's just, uh, again, what's the name of this uh, category? You're not even trying. Okay, you're not even trying. $1.5 million for the Seaway International Bridge, which connects New York to Canada and is a priority for Chuck freaking Schumer. Uh, could he be any more blatant here? First of all, it's a bridge, okay? I don't know, maybe it's a bridge we're going to use to export all of our covid to Canada. If it's that, if we're using it for that, maybe you could justify it. But the whole point, we're not even allowed. I am a Toronto Blue Jays fan. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to play this season in Toronto? No. They're going to play it in the United States of America. They're a Canadian team, but the Canadian government won't let the team play there. Why? Oh, God forbid people are crossing the border. They might bring COVID in. 
It's silly. It's nonsensical. They've got a nice facility in Florida they're going to be using this year. They played in Buffalo last year. But they couldn't. The government was saying, yeah, sure, you can come in here and play baseball. You're just going to need to quarantine for two weeks before you start. It was completely ridiculous. The government is being ridiculous to the Blue Jays. But think about this for a second. We're in, this is a COVID bill. Chuck Schumer wants to help build a bridge uh, to go, or help improve a bridge to go to Canada when we're not even allowed to go to Canada. This is how nonsensical it is. Let me give you the summary here. This is from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. Uh, all told, this generous definition of COVID-related provisions, and I will say, it is the generous uh, definition. We're talking about they're counting group one. Yeah, absolutely should be in there. Vaccinations and such. Group two absolutely should be in there. You know, uh, people lost their job, getting more money. You know, I mean, again, do I agree with a covid bill at this point? We spent a lot of money. We're coming back from this thing. It's very questionable to me. Um, I think we're spending too much money, frankly. Uh, but. I can understand if you're going to pass a one point nine trillion dollar covid bill that there's stuff in there for people who lost their jobs. Uh, you know, there's pe- stuff in there for for health and such. But the uh, all of that included that plus a bunch of the stuff I thought was a real reach. They get to eight hundred and twenty five billion dollars. That is loosely covid related. The rest of the bill, more than one trillion dollars is a combination of bailouts for Democratic constituencies, expansions of progressive programs, pork and unrelated policy changes. This is your government. This is the Biden administration. This is the type of thing that a a healthy media would be calling out. It wouldn't just be in the Wall Street Journal editorial page. You'd be able to find it all over the place. It's a real problem. If you're going to suck our economy dry to fix a serious problem, you should actually try to fix the serious problem and leave the rest rest of the money there. So, again... I am, uh, this is a once in a lifetime thing. It's the craziest story I've ever dealt with in my lifetime. I can understand why some money has been spent. We've said that. It's surprising, even for someone who doesn't, you know, love spending money from the federal government. This is one of those things where the federal government and state governments are telling you you got to shut down. I can understand why the money's falling out the door a little bit. But can we ever get to the point where we say, come on, guys, this has got to stop eventually. We can't do this forever. We are going to have Weimar Germany. And I don't know if you know the history. Didn't end well. Didn't turn into anything good either. So let's step back, calm down, focus spending, and get past this craziness. I mean, if you're going to spend $1.9 trillion, can you at least get me a new house? Mine currently is filled with water. Uh, well, at least it was a couple days ago. Now I have, it's filled with floors that are just buckling up. So when you walk across them, they're nice and rough and you stub your toe every, every two or three steps. It's really nice. I'm going to need a new house for a couple of months, I think, um, though I hope to move back into it eventually. If you're looking for a more permanent situation, you need a real estate agent who you can trust, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who knows how to improve your situation, can find the people that can improve your home, who can help you get the best price, whether you're buying or selling a home. If you're going to a new area, you need to find the best agent in that area. You might not know anybody yet. You might not be able to get a recommendation. Well, you can from realestateagentsitrust.com. This is uh, Glenn Beck's company, started it many years ago, uh, to find uh, the best real estate agent for not only himself, but for everybody. 
uh, it's realestateagentsitrust.com. A lot of people who are the agents on this site are people who listen to the show. They're going to have similar experiences, similar, uh, you know, I don't know. They're, they're the type of people you can have a handshake with and, and, and understand that you can trust them. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to welcome back to the program, culture editor of The Bulwark and co-host of the Sub Beacon podcast, Sonny Bunch. Sonny, thanks for coming on the program. Glad to be here, as always. Thanks. Um, I, uh, I want to get to everything that's going to happen here with the culture and COVID and the rebound and all of that. But honestly, I just want to start at how badly I want to see the new Bob Odenkirk movie. I love Bob Odenkirk. I've loved him since Mr. Show. I, I, I loved Taken. Uh, I want to see Bob Odenkirk kick everybody's ass. That's basically my point. Yeah. Uh, so this movie's called Nobody, right? That's the that's the title. <laughs> I, I like to call it Bob Wick. That's that's what I call it. <laughs> Bob uh, Wick. That's great. Is uh, you know a little a little tongue in cheek, uh, but no, it looks great. I they they actually just moved up the release date on it uh, to to I think late March. Um, it's it's coming out right before Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, however however that that title goes. Uh, but yeah, that, that looks great. I'm excited to go see it in a theater, which uh, would you know, which are opening back up and should be should be rocked and ready to go soon. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I think movie theaters, maybe more than anything else, felt like an unsafe place to go for some reason back a year ago. And like whenever that, when all this stuff happened, it's a confined area. You're sitting in there for a long period of time. It seemed like movie theaters instantly dropped off the map in, in March of last year. Uh, they've tried to make a couple of rebounds. A lot of people still don't feel safe going to theaters. I mean, from what we know, are theaters safe to go to? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there are two different ways to look at this. Right. On the one hand, theaters are kind of extraneous. You have home theaters at home. You can watch movies on your big screen. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to a movie theater. Okay, fine. Let's let's put that aside. Let's let's leave that to the side. Uh, the, the actual, you know, I, I hesitate to say the science, I'm not a scientist, not an epidemiologist, but what scientists and epidemiologists have kind of discovered with coronavirus is that there are certain indoor activities that are safer than others. Um, and one of those indoor activities that seems to be safer than others is watching movies. Now there are a bunch of different reasons for this. One is that you are, you have a bunch of people who are in, uh, in, in a space with a large, like this is a very basic thing, but a very high ceiling. There's a ton of extra actual air, you know, flow room, mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better word. Okay. Um, but I, on top of that, everybody's facing the same way. Everybody's looking at the screen. You know, if you have people who are socially distanced, uh, they aren't talking to each other, right? They aren't. They you don't have people in each other's faces uh, uh, talking to each other or really talking at all. Now, you know, you get into whether or not a comedy with laughter and all that sort of stuff is is dangerous, and it's it's a little dicier. But the 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 long and the short of it is, you do not have any mass outbreaks traced back to theaters anywhere in the world. You can't say that for churches. You can't say that for restaurants. You can't say that for even grocery stores. I mean, they, the 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 simple fact of the matter is that watching a movie in a movie theater is not super dangerous. And this is at the height of the pandemic. Now we have everybody getting vaccines. You know, you have uh, lots of people who have a natural immunity because they've already had it. Um, we are we are getting to the point where the the disease is less of an issue. And this is this is the big thing for movie studios, right? They didn't want to put things in theaters. They saw what happened to Tenet. Tenet got released in theaters, did not do very well. 
relative to other previous Christopher Nolan films. Um, and everybody got scared. So stuff got pulled from, from the schedule. You wound up having Warner Brothers say that every movie that they release this year is going to be re- released on HBO Max and in theater simultaneously, which is that just crushes movie theaters. I mean, you, you movie theaters can't make a living. Uh, when when stuff is available on HBO Max and, and in theater simultaneously, um, so you know now we're we're getting into we're getting into a time of year when I think you're going to see some smaller budget, um, uh, little uh, I don't want to say uh, you know smaller movies, but smaller budget movies uh, come out in theaters and be available only in theaters for a certain amount of time. Uh, for the aforementioned Bob Wick for instance. <laughs> right. Um, is that the way this is going to play out where like these, these um, um, studios are going to take these little baby steps, kind of like test the waters, see if people will come back. And as they see this happen, they start releasing the bigger budget movies as maybe we get to the summer. Yeah. So the, the big question right now is does Disney pull black widow from its uh, may release spot? And they're going to have to make that decision in the next few weeks here because before you release a big budget movie, you have to plan a bunch of advertising, a bunch of marketing. Mm. You, you know, these sorts of movies, they spend a hundred million dollars on TV ads, uh, right? So, like, you you have to, you, they have to have a sense of whether or not that movie is going to be in theaters or not, and they're going to have to make that decision here pretty soon. Um, which means they probably won't have the experience of uh, Bob Wick uh, or <laughs> you know the other the other the other movies that are getting released. In theaters, um, it's it's a uh, it's tricky. It's tricky, and I wouldn't. I don't want to go come. I don't want to put myself on the spot here, and say for certain whether or not uh, Black Widow again, which is the first big budget movie, is going to hit its May release date. All the trend lines are good. All the trend lines are good in terms of deaths and hospitalizations and case numbers and all that. Um, And if they stay good, I don't see any reason for Black Widow not to be in theaters. Uh, Is there an issue with the sort of, you know, there's like two Americas people are living in. The old John Edwards thing from back in the day where he ran that campaign and said there's two Americas. Right now there kind of is. I mean, like I talk to my friends who live in the Northeast and they don't understand what life I'm living right now, which is Mm -hmm. honestly relatively normal. I mean, it's not that much different than the life I was living before with a few exceptions. Um, But but a movie studio is going to look at this and say, okay, well, half the country is living under people like Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, and they're not going to let anybody near theaters until there's basically no cases at all in their states. Do they have to wait for a big budget for for all these states to open up or can they do it with half the country? Well, we're going to see. I mean, you know, Andrew Cuomo announced last week or maybe the week before that New York City theaters would finally be allowed to open uh, in in the forthcoming weeks here at 25 percent capacity. Um, and that that news was actually what sparked the uh, the the movement of uh, the Bob Odenkirk movie Nobody uh, to to a, a March release date. Um, I it's not clear if California theaters will be open. Uh, that that still seems to be kind of a mess out there. Uh, but the, the, you know, look, New York city and Los Angeles, those are the two biggest movie markets in the country by, by a substantial margin. Um, and if those theaters are not open, you cannot open a big budget movie. You can't really open much of anything. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And things are, things are already tough 
because the you know even in places like Texas where we live, you know the the theaters uh, are limited to forty percent capacity. So you know you can't have those huge big first weekend uh, numbers. They, they they're just not possible with with what we have right now. And I you know it's hard to blame studios for being wary. Um, like you say, we we are living in. You know where we live, schools are open, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, indoor dining is happening again. Uh, I think people are people are getting a little more, you know, out there and used to stuff. I still, I mean, personally, I have been to back to the movie theaters. I have not gone indoor dining, um, and that's where my personal risk level is. That's where I that's where I feel comfortable at. Uh, and it, it's different. It's different for everyone. And this is this is going to be a hard thing for theaters to overcome is that initial resistance as you say i mean like it it going the idea of going to a movie theater you know the what the clip that ran through everybody's head remember the movie outbreak yes <laughs> uh starring dustin hoffman there's mm-hmm. a scene in the theater where somebody coughs and there's a little illustration of the disease particles going everywhere in the mm-hmm. movie theater and you know and then people get ebola and they bleed out of their eyes and they die and this disease isn't that bad um but it's you know it's not great and and <laughs> that vision of you know people uh, coughing all over e- each other and getting the disease everywhere is kind of hard to shake from uh, the imagination. So I mean, look, I think once once everybody who wants to get a vaccine has a vaccine, that is when theaters will come back for real. <laughs> um, and whether that's whether that's May or June or July or August, you know, hard to say. By the way, this is then Hollywood's fault in some ways, because that's the same visual. I remember I remember that visual when this thing started. I played it on the air because you remember those particles flying through the air in the movie theater. Yeah. And then the person laughing and breathing them in. It was it was it was terrifying then. And it was much worse in the last uh, year or so. Um, Sonny, what was the what's the backlog of these movies like? Because like when was nobody with Bob Odenkirk? filmed i mean because obviously you had a lot of story uh, movies that built up to be released in 2020 that didn't get released so we have all yeah. of those here but the, at the same time there hasn't been a lot of production in the last year uh what kind of backlog is there yeah it's tricky i well, I, I can't say for sure i don't mm-hmm. know what's done i don't know what 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 is ready to go uh you know it, all of the really big budget movies are fast and furious is um, your uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, right? Those all got held. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a backlog of tent poles for sure. The smaller budgeted movies, your nobodies, uh, your other other sort of stuff. A lot of that moved to Netflix or to Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the you know, it's 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 hard to say what is actually in in the bag right now. But production has begun again. I mean, you know, they're shooting uh, the Spider-Man movie. They're shooting Mission Impossible 7, right? Like, they're, they're, they're shooting these movies. They're shooting big movies. They're shooting small movies. Um, it, I, I don't think we're going to have any lack of product, uh, especially because I think we're going to see a much slower rollout process, right? It used to be that every weekend you'd have a new big tentpole film, right? You'd have the new Avengers film. You'd have the new Fast and Furious movie. You'd have the new James Bond film. Uh, and instead of doing one of those a week or one of every two weeks, I think we're probably going to see something more like once a month to take more advantage of uh, the fact that, A, there are fewer movies to see, uh, but B, the audience capacities are so limited right now. You 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 don't need uh, to have a new movie in theaters every week when not everybody can see the new movie anyway, just mm. because of pure ticket sales numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, last one here for you, Sonny. I, I, this has been really frustrating to me. 
as we've seen the sort of messaging from the government, and this goes wider than just movies, goes to everything, where they're, getting, they're, they're sort of messaging this as, um, yeah, definitely get your vaccine. However, obviously, when you get the vaccine, you're still going to be wearing masks. You're still going to be social distancing. You're still not going to be able to indoor dine for a while. These large gatherings probably aren't going to happen until 2022, 2023. I feel like there's this, the problem with the messaging here is, you know, if, you're go, if you want to encourage people to go get the vaccine, the incentive there is to go back to the movie theaters, to go back and indoor dine, to get back to normal. I mean, how, how have you seen uh, overall the messaging from the government and our public health officials? Uh, it's stupid. I mean, this <laughs> the, the 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 message here should be your life goes back to normal after you get the shot mm. and get in. If you don't get the shot, then things are going to be bad for for much longer. Um, I, I am uh, kind of flummoxed by the public health officials saying things like, you know, even after you get the shot, you got to wear your mask. And I understand to a certain extent why they have to say this, because when you have a population where some are vaccinated and some aren't, then, you know, people who aren't vaccinated might take their masks off and say, but like at the same time, it, that, that, that is a, that is not what we should be focused on right now. We should be focused on getting as many people vaccinated as possible uh, and and making the vaccination the promise to return to a normal life. It would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, Sonny Bunch, culture editor of The Bulwark, co-host of the Sub Beacon podcast. Sonny, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, back in a second. A couple of updates from stories we featured earlier this week. Uh, there was a clip on an NBC show called Nurses that... <laughs> That the Internet was calling, uh, I think it was on Twitter, where they called it the most single most anti-Semitic uh, piece of television in history or something like that. We have the clip here one more time in case you missed it. Oh, the graft, where does it come from? It's called an aloe bone graft. It's harvested from a deceased donor. But you want to put a dead leg inside of me? A goyim leg. From anyone. An Arab? A woman? Oh, God forbid an Arab woman. Look, you can't be lugging this metal cage around. No, I don't consent. Ezreal, without this next step, you will never walk properly again. Which means forget about basketball. Which is obviously what he wants. It's God who heals what he creates. Good boy, son. Good boy. You don't want a Arab woman leg inside of you, do you? So they make the guy, you know, the, the, the Jewish basketball player he would rather give up walking and basketball because he doesn't want to risk the fact that it could be a piece of Arab that might enter him in some way. Uh, really anti-Semitic here. This is not how Jews are. I don't, I, this is, I don't know if they've ever met a Jew, uh, but this is uh, not how they are. Um, anyway, uh, there's, and there's nothing even, you know, in the most uh, extreme Orthodox Jewish law that would prevent this, according to uh, all the reporting on it. Uh, this got to NBC. They actually now have pulled the episode uh, from uh, digital and future airings uh, among the backlash over this. This uh, anti-Jewish uh, controversy comes in the wake of another issue involving NBC. After Saturday Night Live's Michael Che recently joked, Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. I mean, that's just a 
relax on that one. But the, the, the nurses one was pretty bad. They did pull it. Uh, so there you go. Cancel culture working the other way, apparently. By the way, speaking of cancel culture, there was this story we did on The Bachelor yesterday in the cancel culture Olympics. Uh, this was, I think, won the silver medal. And it was about this woman, Rachel Kirkconnell. She went to a sorority party in 2018 that was like antebellum themed. And as you know, Lady Antebellum in 2018 was a huge country band. Now it's Lady A because we were obviously children. That's why uh, everyone knows that that Lady Antebellum and some bachelor contestant are not endorsing slavery, not endorsing plantation uh, life from back in the day. That's not what happens. It's just the same way if you go to a um, if you go to a uh, what was the Leonardo DiCaprio thing? From, um, uh, Great Gatsby. <laughs> God, that's that's pathetic. It was also a book. I don't know if you know this, uh, but it was you know if you go to a Great Gatsby party, you're not endorsing the policies of the 1920s. That's not the way it works when you go to if you do a a pimp. Do they still have pimp ho balls? Remember those things from like the 90s? I don't think people were endorsing. You know what? I am. This is a full throated endorsement of pimpery. That's what I'm doing here at this party. That's not what that is. Everyone on earth knows it if you happen to be an adult. These were things that were easy very recently. Now, of course, people go the other way with it and make it complicated. So Rachel Kirkconnell comes out. Oh, my God. She got caught at the stupid party in 2018. She does this ridiculously over-the-top apology that we read to you yesterday. Oh, it was just agonizing, and it just it made me cringe. So the host of the show, Chris Harrison, comes out. And it's like, look, you know, it was a party from a few years ago. Uh, I haven't heard her say anything. I don't know what the story is, but I think we should have a little bit of grace. Uh, you know, standards change, even from 2018 to 2021. Have a little grace here. So then he gets uh, blown out of his show. He can't do his show anymore because he said that. He gives another gushing apology. I wound up hating them. You're supposed to hate the person who cancels, right? You're supposed to be annoyed at the person who cancels the canceled I got annoyed at the canceled. And I got to say now, Rachel Kirkconnell is my least favorite person in this entire storyline. Um, she is now saying she's mad at Chris Harrison for um, for uh, backing her up and says, please stop. Um, she, sp- she specifically calls on white people to step up and take accountability and work toward racial progress and unity. Like, look, beyond the fact that I can understand you say, like, look, don't defend me because it's going to extend the story. I made a mistake, maybe kind of a few years ago. All right. Uh, But more than that here, uh, it's like this guy stepped up and lost his career to try to help you out in the smallest way. And then you make it worse going public and trashing him in public. Ugh, she, ugh, she's the worst. Go cancelers. She should be canceled. Not because it's right, not because it's moral, but because it's what I feel like right now. And that's the way we should make all of our judgments. I also want to do one last thing before we leave. Do we have time? How much time do we have left before we have to take a break? Are we like at the break already? We've got a minute. All right, let me take a break. Come back with you on the other side. I just mentioned uh, Saturday Night Live. I've got an alum from Saturday Night Live uh, with another story that, that's out in the New York Times. We're back with that in a second. So there's a segment that uh, the New York Times does called the best of late night. They give you all the great jokes 
from late night. And I thought this has just got to be good, right? Because late night television is really good these days. Um, so here's uh, what they featured yesterday. Seth Myers is excited to see Trump's tax returns. That's the headline. Myers said it shouldn't be hard for the Manhattan D.A. to find a crime in the tax records of a guy who claims to be a billionaire, yet paid only $750 in income taxes when he was president. That's that's not a joke. That's just uh, it's not a joke. Do they tell jokes on these shows? I will say, like, you know, it's it's a it's the New York Times trying to feature comedy. Maybe it was like a really good monologue and they just play, you know, they're just featuring a terrible part of it. Let's uh, let's see. Do we have a clip of this? Let's see. After five years of doing everything possible to hide them, it was reported today that Donald Trump was finally forced to turn over his tax records to the Manhattan District Attorney this week after the Supreme Court denied his last-ditch attempt to keep them concealed. And look, I'm no prosecutor, but it can't be that hard to find a crime in the tax records of a guy who claims to be a billionaire yet paid only $750 in federal income taxes when he was president. This wasn't way back in the 80s when he was just a New York real estate developer and I'm guessing aspiring birthday magician. Mom, that guy made my presence disappear. This was 2017 when he was the most powerful and most famous person in the world. It was so brazen, I'm shocked he didn't live stream it. Sup, fam? Welcome to my Twitch stream. Today we'll be committing tax fraud. And make sure to subscribe because next week we'll be playing the new online Ocean Master. And yes, there are plenty of technically legal ways that the wealthy and corporations avoid taxes, which is a scandal in itself. But something tells me Trump doesn't just limit himself to the legal stuff. I'm guessing he commits crimes the way the rest of us order apps for the tables. Let's just get, should we just get one of everything? I, I don't, that was terrible. Back in a second. Okay, you've heard me whining about this for a while. This is it, your last chance to get 30 bucks off your Belize TV subscription. Why wouldn't you take advantage of this? Happen to be uh, watching on Pluto TV, maybe uh, listening on podcasts. Wherever you are, get your Blaze TV subscription, blazetv.com slash stew, promo code is stew, 30 bucks off, get it today. We ran too late here. Um, uh, I, I gotta do Josh Hawley's uh, new minimum wage proposal. I'm just, uh, uh, that's coming up. Uh, maybe we'll do that on Monday show. Uh, maybe Stu does the minimum wage on Monday. That should be fun. Um, before we go, I want to tell you that um, apparently uh, an epidemiologist is now warning that falling sperm counts threaten human survival, uh, which is very scary. If you're listening to this like on your laptop and it's on your lap, that could be a problem. Why are you killing humanity? That's a bad thing. I kind of feel like it's the way we look that's going to probably put us away though. Like just the fact that we're all kind of fat and out of shape and pale skin and we haven't been outside in a year, we're just gonna be so unattractive to each other. That's probably gonna be the thing that ends humanity more than anything else. I'm not a scientist though. Scientists are saying it's gonna happen to some other way. I kind of believe them. I kind of believe the uh, world could end at any, at any point. I will say this would have been a sign of the apocalypse at least a couple of years ago. Now it seems to be a little bit more commonplace. Beyond Meat, yes, Beyond Meat has struck a partnership with McDonald's and Yum Brands, which Yum Brands is like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut and such. 
KFC as well. So they're going to do the fake chicken. They're going to do the fake, uh, I guess, tacos, uh, pizza toppings and the McDonald's burger, which they're going to call the McPlant. Which, again, I you know, you know me, I'm the one the one conservative vegetarian that lives uh, today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm exclusive. It's just me. I can't date another one because it's just me. But like, could you come up with a worse name than the McPlant? That doesn't even sound appealing to someone who loves McDonald's and eats these stupid veggie burger things. McPlant?